Okay, everybody, glad to have you guys here with us at New Life Church. My name is Jeff. I want to thank you for being here at our Kearney campus. I need to take a quick second to welcome everybody at our North Platte campus and our Ogallala campus, and also those who are worshiping with us online, right? So, hey, can we just give it up right now for everybody that's worshiping at New Life? Come on, just give it up. Yeah. Way to go, way to go. High five the person next to you and say, way to go, way to go, right? You made it here, you made it here. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, we've got a lot of great things going on at New Life Church. Can I just see really quick, though, we used to call these things missions trips. Maybe you were on a missions trip, or maybe you have now more recently gone on one of our global outreach trips. If you have gone on a missions trip, or now what we call the global outreach trips, can I see your hand really quick? And would you put it up in the air and hold it up in the air, okay? Now... Here's what I want to do. Keep it in the air. I want everybody to look around. Now, how many of you guys would say that, um, you know, by going on a global outreach trip, it, has, it had impacted your spiritual life. It helped you, you know, see God maybe in a more clear way than you ever saw God before. If that happened for you, just keep your hand up. If not, put it down. Okay, now look around. Look around, everybody. Okay, good. Now put your hands down. This was not to award those who have gone. This was to challenge those of you who have not gone, okay? So thank you so much for voting you know, with your, with your hand like that. But here's what I want to say. Uh, kingdom Builders, we're going to talk more about Kingdom Builders next week, okay? Through Kingdom Builder Giving, we have started something last year that we're continuing again this year, and that is that we are offering up to a 50% grant for people that are signing up for our global outreach trips that are foreign global outreach trips for the very first time. That means that if you sign up for a global outreach trip, a foreign one, that's $2,000, we're willing to give up to 50% of that to help you go. Which, math wizards, how much would that be? Yeah, yeah. You can say it with confidence because it's a lot of money, right? Up to $1,000 that we want to help you uh, overcome the hurdle of the fear of do I have the finances, right? Can I do this? Can I not do it? So, all of us together, as we become kingdom builders, we're helping to dis make disciples. We believe that going on a global outreach trip is part of m you becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And I've got a goal. Here's my goal. And by the way, l listen to this, okay? For all my business friends out there, they're not going to like what I'm getting ready to say. However, it's okay. I have a goal that I never want to reach. Yeah, let that soak in for a second. I've got a goal that I never want to reach. You know what that goal is? I want to see every single person at New Life Church go on a foreign global outreach trip because I believe that God will use it to transform and change your life. Why do I never want to reach it? Because I want, between you and me, I want to keep reaching more and more people for Jesus. So I never want to reach the goal. Please never let me reach the goal of seeing every single person at New Life go on a foreign global outreach trip. Let's keep telling people about Jesus and reaching more people and let's keep sending more people to become all that God wants them to be. Is there an amen I can get out of that one? All right, okay, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. All right, 2020, this new teaching series for this year that will go through February as well is totally designed to look at many different aspects of your life and help you get a clear 2020 vision for your spiritual journey this year. We wanted to take the first two months of the year and just have it focus in solely on your vision for your life. Now, because you're a part of New Life, your vision for your, your life is going to wrap into some of the vision for New Life as well, because we're all on the same team together, right? But we're primarily focused, again, on 
the spiritual vision for you in your life. And we want it to be clear for you. So we're attacking it from different aspects. And today I want to talk to you about your marching orders. Whose marching orders are you living by? Who's calling the shots, basically? And what are those marching orders, the spiritual marching orders for your life in 2020? I want to take you back to a famous date. It was uh, June 6th, 1944. Any historians in the house that can tell me the significance of June 6th, 1944? Anybody? It was D-Day. D-Day. That's right. Operation Overlord is what it was actually called. Operation Overlord that now we know as D-Day took place on June 6th, 1944. There was 24,000 airborne troops that dropped behind enemy lines somewhere around midnight on, uh, as, the, as the, the day started on June 6th. My grandfather was in the 101st Airborne. He was one of those 24,000. And then we sent 132,000 from America and our other allies that stormed the beaches of Normandy, right? The beaches of Utah and Omaha and Juneau um, and Gold and Sword. Those beaches were the ones that we stormed. The American troops primarily stormed the beaches of Utah okay, and Omaha. And in the midst of that day, storming that beach, uh, we, 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 we took on somewhere in the neighborhood of 10,000 plus casualties that day. And by the end of the day on June 6, 1944, the generals had called all the shots. The generals had determined, you know, what objectives had to be reached that day. And not only were soldiers being shot dead as the, as the, the gates flew open on their ship and they started storming the beaches and, you know, bullets started flying out of, you know, German bunkers and mortar rounds started hitting the beaches and, you know, tank rounds started hitting the beaches and soldiers were dying, you know, to their left and to the right of them. Not only did that happen, but by the end of day one of this big, massive campaign, right, to take on the Nazis, we didn't even accomplish one of our objectives. Not even one. The whole battle plan that had been drafted that said, we have to get these things done, we didn't even get one main objective done. We lost lives and didn't accomplish the objective. Now, as we look back on history, I think all of us can sit here today and we can say this one thing with great confidence. We are thankful to God that we had commanders, generals, right? We had soldiers who were unwilling to give up on the marching orders that they were given, even though men were dying on their left and their right and they didn't accomplish one of their main objectives in all of day one. Aren't you thankful today that they didn't give up? I'm thankful today they didn't give up. And there's a lot of people in Europe that are very thankful that they didn't give up as well. So guys, look, here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm getting at right now, right? I'm thinking, well, they didn't give up, but I'm wondering about you and me when it comes to our spiritual life. Whose marching orders are you marching to? Because I know one thing about us. We like to be the commander of our lives. I won't take a vote on that one, because I'm pretty sure all hands would go up. We like to be the commander of our lives, which means that we like to write our own orders. We want God to help us in every practical way we can figure out. Like, we want God's help. I guarantee every single person in here wants God's help, especially when the wheels start falling off the machine of your life. But we want God's help, but here's the problem. We, don't, we want God's help, but we don't want God's orders for our everyday life. We want God's help. We want the best of what God can give, but we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. We like to change God's orders when life gets tough. And we like to change God's orders when life gets really super easy. We also like to change God's orders depending on how it's going to make you and me look in public. 
How will my family perceive this action? How will my coworkers perceive this? How about my neighbors? How about those in worship with me? We like to change God's orders to make it more palatable and comfortable for us, but every time we deviate from God's orders, we're declaring to ourselves and to the world who we really trust. It's the one that you follow is the one you trust. The one who gives the commanding marching orders that you're willing to follow out no matter how difficult it gets or how easy it is the marching orders that you follow determines who you trust. And just so you know today, there is a serious consequence when we deviate from God's marching orders. It's not just that it goes unnoticed. There are actually consequences to it. I want you to think about with me like the prophet Jonah in the Old Testament. If, you, if you're familiar with that story at all, if you're not familiar with that story, the prophet Jonah, basically God gives him a mission, doesn't want to do it. He ends up in the Mediterranean Sea. There's a great storm. He gets thrown into the water. A fish eats him or basically swallows him. Excuse me. That's, that's not the correct story. He doesn't get like dismembered or anything in the fish. And then he gets spit back up onto the shore and he decides, I'm going to follow God's marching orders. That's the long story short of Jonah. But basically God's, God comes to Jonah and he says, look, here's the marching orders. I want you to go to this place called Nineveh, I want you to communicate the goodness of who I am to them. I want to offer them, you know, repentance or forgiveness of their sins. I want, to, I want them to come to a knowledge of who I am. And Jonah's like, not those people. Those people don't deserve it. I'm not going to follow those marching orders. So he, he you know, designs his own, and he goes down to the seaport. He finds the ship that's headed away for the farthest seaport known at the time. And he goes, I want to be on that boat. I'm going to get as far away from God's orders as I can. I'm going to create my own. And then, obviously, he gets out to the middle of the ocean. God sends a storm. They cast lots on the boat. They determine Jonah's the one who sinned. It's the reason why the storm is raging. If we don't do something, we're all going to die. So they do the obvious. They throw Jonah overboard. Jonah gets swallowed by the great fish. The storm goes down. And then God spits him up on the shore where Jonah now has to wrestle with God and go, okay, I will follow your marching orders. I just want to be, let's just be open and transparent about this. Here's the truth. Jonah went AWOL. He went AWOL on God's plans, and he paid a price for it, guys. He paid a price for it, but here's the good news. God chased him down and gave him another opportunity to surrender from his marching orders to God's marching orders. And God will do the very same thing for you over and over again as we recognize our sin. Our sin is our marching orders, and we repent of our sin. If we repent of our sin and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, then there is the forgiveness of our sins. But I do want to be very open and very transparent with you. I want you to know today that there is a deceptive, a deceptive marching order that is out there that's coming straight from the pit of hell, from Satan himself, that's wanting to get marching orders inside of your mind and inside of your head and inside of your heart that will not just lead you off course, but will lead to ultimate separation and death, separation from God for an eternity. I just want you to listen to what happens when we deviate from God's marching orders. When you deviate from God's marching orders and you take on your own, there can be some very serious consequences. Take a look at what happened to a person who deviated from God's marching orders and decided to follow his own. It says this in Hebrews 6, For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, 
Those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. Listen to what else it says. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. It's a big statement. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him, Jesus, to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Wow. That's a serious scripture. That's one that I don't hear preached very often. There's a good reason for that. It's a very difficult scripture. It's not the easiest scripture to bring up on a Sunday morning. It's not one that ends with people going, wow, that's, that's good news, Pastor. I'm really glad you brought that up. Like, that just gives me really, like, gives me goosebumps of joy. No, in fact, some of you right now are a little in the moment of questioning where are you at in comparison to this passage. Some of you are wondering right now with almost kind of a fear and a worry, is that me? Have I crossed the line so much that I'm at a place where there is no longer room for repentance to bring me back into a saving grace of Jesus Christ? Am I just living a life of deception right now? What's this real story, Jeff? What's really going on? Don't, don't leave me hanging right here. And I, I want to help you. I want to do the best I can to unpack this. But this scripture, there's one thing that is certain in this scripture that all of us can agree on right now. One person decided to march to their own marching orders and not God's, and they're going to pay a serious price for it. That's the generality that you're going to find in this passage. But who is this scripture really talking about? Because it is, it's targeting down to a particular kind of minded person. And I want you to see as we dissect it really quickly. So if you have your YouVersion app, then you will have all the scriptures that are on it from today. If you don't have the YouVersion app, I want, to, I want you to download it. And then I want you to click on events and you can find New Life Church. You can actually get the scriptures I'm using today. If you want to, at times, you can actually save that and it will keep it forever. Or otherwise, it will stay up there just for a short period of time and then it's gone after the service so that it doesn't just bog your phone down. But if you don't have that, then I just want to highlight a few of the things that were found in that scripture to unpack it. Who is this deviated person that has gone away from God's marching orders, following their own, and the price that they're going to pay? Who is this person? It says here that this person is enlightened. That was one of the words that was in there, enlightened. You're going to find that in the New Living Translation, the ESV, the English um, um, translation. You're going to find it in the New King James Translation. You're going to find it in the NIV New International Version, um, you're going to find this word shows up in a lot of the different basic translations of God's word that you are primarily using today, enlightened. Let's talk about that just for a minute, enlightened. It's one thing, guys, for a person to have a knowledge of something, okay, up here. It's another thing for a person to have surrendered to that and be living it. It's a big difference between those two. There's a great chasm uh, between what you are learning and what you're willing to surrender to. Even today, as I preach, there's a great difference between what you're hearing and what you're going to be living out, what you're going to apply to your life. And then this enlightened person, I would also say this, it's one thing to you know, see the light, it's another thing to walk in the light. And what this is describing for us is this person who knows what's going on, they know the basics of Christianity, Okay, they, they have seen the light, they have been in worship, you know, at New Life, but yet there is this 
separation between the knowing and then the, the full surrender in their, in their heart of going, I'm all in. I'm all in with this. So they're enlightened. I can see the light, but I'm not necessarily walking in the light. It's a dangerous place to be based on this scripture. Here's another thing that it says about this person, that this person shared in the Holy Spirit. They shared in the Holy Spirit. They were in the, they were in the room with the Holy Spirit, if you will. They were among believers. They were sharing in what the Holy Spirit was doing, even in the local church. But guys, listen to me. There's a big difference between sharing in the Holy Spirit and being under the control of the Holy Spirit. A big difference. Sharing and being under control. This scripture is not talking about a person who has completely surrendered to God in the aspect of walking in the obedience of the control of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. This scripture is talking about a person who has crossed the line of faith. They are, new, they are found new in their faith. They could be in their faith for the last 5, 10 years, 15 years, but they aren't moving to the center of God's will. They're trying to hug the edge of faith. And so there's a sharing in the faith, sure, because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. That's the way I got into the kingdom. But now that they're here, there is no movement to the center of God's will. It's more like, how close can I get to the world but yet hang on to Christianity? That's the mindset that you're getting here. In fact, lastly, it even goes more so to drive that home when it says, they tasted the goodness of the word of God. They tasted the goodness of the word of God. What is the word of God? Now, quickly, we would, we would kind of come to a conclusion that the word of God is the Bible, but Jesus is the one who's defined as the word of God. And can I say this to you? There's a big difference between tasting of something and drinking deeply of something. There's a big difference, right? Tasting it and having the whole thing. The scripture now is painting a picture for us of someone who's not all in. They're indicating to us a person who has just stepped over the line of faith. They have a faith in God. They have a knowledge of God. They've shared in the Holy Spirit with other believers. They've tasted of the word of God, but they're not going all in. It's a dangerous place. And it says, look, when that kind of person, when they turn away and they run away from God, they're going, it's almost impossible to get that person back. We'll talk about that because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, he gave a parable and he was going to look, a farmer throws out seed on different types of ground. And one of the grounds that he was throwing the seed out on, which was representing our heart, by the way, was a shallow ground that was full of rock. And he said the seed, it hit that ground and immediately started to take root, but it couldn't go deep because the ground was shallow. And so what happens is that the, the sprout, it sprouted up with life immediately. But it wasn't deep enough and it didn't have the nutrients and it didn't have the right root system. And so when the sun came blazing, it burnt it up and destroyed it exactly what this scripture is talking about someone who's new in their faith who is shallow who's not willing to like truly let the lord dig deep in their life who doesn't really want to go after the the things of god right they just want to hang out here on the sidelines and it goes look when that person walks away it's impossible to bring such people back to repentance and I would say to you, technically, the answer to that is, yes, it is impossible to bring that kind of person back to repentance. And my first reason why is because you're not the Holy Spirit. 
You, you aren't the one who convicts people. So is it technically accurate that it's impossible to bring that person back? It's technically accurate that it's impossible for you to bring that person back. It's the Holy Spirit who draws us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one working on all of your hearts right now. He's working on your hearts, whether you know Christ or you are a distant from Christ. He's the one who draws people to himself. We are just the messengers that partner with God. And here's the other reason why many times it becomes impossible to ever speak any truth to a person who has once tasted of the word of God, shared in the Holy Spirit, right, and has been enlightened and then turns the other way. When they turn the other way, many times they go all hell-bent after a false doctrine They go all out after some kind of atheistic idea and they barricade themselves with all their lies, almost trying to like cocoon themselves with their lies and isolate themselves from everyone else that might try to speak truth to them. And so they they create this like fortress around themselves of lies that makes it very, very difficult to speak truth and to get it through to them ever again. But that is their choice. That's the choice that they have taken in their life. But here's a powerful truth for you today. Nothing, and I do mean this, nothing, absolutely nothing can stop the power of God's amazing love to chase people down even while they are running, you know, hell-bent away from him. And that's the good news of Christ today. Not only will God continue to chase people, but he'll use you and he'll put you in the path of people who have once tasted and have turned away. He'll use you, he'll put people in your path to help you awaken again, because that's what God wants. He wants you to awaken again to your faith and completely surrender, but it requires a great amount of humility that few can muster when they've tasted and they've turned away. Here's what James even says about what God's gonna use you to do in the lives of people. He says, hey look, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth, And is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from the wandering will save that person from death and bring the forgiveness of many sins. That just all that all that tells me is this: if someone, if someone turns their back on God and runs into a sinful lifestyle, it's possible for that person to find forgiveness. And that just reminds me this: never give up on people. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on your spouse. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on coworkers. Don't give up on people. I don't care what they're saying today. Don't give up on them spiritually. Now, look, you're, don't be the Holy Spirit. You can't change them. It's going to really frustrate you. But don't give up. Keep praying for them. Keep asking God, God, put me in their path. I want to live out James 5 in a person's life. Put me in their path, Right? Because the good news is this, if if you right now are wandering away, you've wandered away from God, the good news is right now it's not too late for you. Today, if you're hearing this message, you can turn your life completely over to Jesus Christ and you can make him Lord and leader again. But how do you respond to God? How do you respond to God when you all of a sudden wake up one day and you realize, I'm marching to my own orders. I'm not marching to God's orders anymore. How do you respond? What do you do? Right? How do you even recognize when you're marching to your own orders instead of God's? Well, to help us answer that critical question, we're going to go look at the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. And in this passage of Scripture that we're getting ready to read, you're going to find the Apostle Paul is marching to his, basically his own orders, 
I'm going to say that they're the general orders of God, though. And he gets turned away a couple of times until he gets the specific orders of God. Take a look. Take a look what he does, how he recognizes, you know, what's going on and whose orders is he following. Now, this passage we're going to look at before you read it, this passage is the second missionary journey of Paul. That means that there was a what? See, you guys are theologians more than you thought. Okay, there you go. So because there was a second, there was a first. There was a first journey. There was a second journey. There was a third journey. And then lastly, Paul's journey to Rome, where eventually he was uh, martyred for the faith. So here's what it says. It says that next, Paul and Silas, they traveled through the area of Pergia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Pause. Where were they going? They're going to Asia, right? What does the Holy Spirit do to them? No, 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 no. No, that's not where you're going. I I know that's your big plans. That's your marching orders. I got something different for you. So then in verse 7, then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Again, they've got their own ideas. they got their own marching orders. But the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and goes, nope, i got different marching orders for you. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. Right That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Now look, let me just help explain this a little bit better. Let me put up a map of this whole journey. Here's where the journey starts. Somewhere in here, they're heading to Asia. They're going to head, they want to go over here to Ephesus or, you know, Colossia. They want to go here. This is where they think the Spirit of the Lord is leading them. This is the big marching orders in this big second journey. Let's go here and present the gospel to them. Okay, and you'll notice that eventually they did get there later on in the journey. Okay, and then they get there more later on again. So instead of going west towards Asia, they decide, well, if the Spirit of the Lord doesn't want us to go to west, we, didn't, we came from the east, and we kind of know what's to the south Let's go north. They're all in Turkey here. Let's go north. And he wants to go up into Bithynia. Up here is like Istanbul, modern day Istanbul. It's right here. Right? And so that's where he's thinking, like, we're going to go there. And somewhere on the border of Mycenae and Bithynia, the Holy Spirit goes, nope, your marching orders are not the right ones again. So what does he do? He goes, well, then let's turn west. And he heads west all the way over here to Troas where he gets this Macedonian call to say, hey, over here in modern-day Greece, right, over here is a man going, come to us, we need your help. And he goes, and profound things happen. It's powerful. It's powerful what takes place in his life. But he finds the marching orders of God, and when he finds the marching orders of God, then things start to happen in his life. And with, without marching to the orders of God and following the Holy Spirit, I'm going to tell you that there were some significant changes that would have happened to the New Testament, some significant changes that would have happened to the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They would have been stuck in Asia, here in Turkey, but instead God sent them over here to Greece and the gospel just continued to explode and it began to go all over the place. So what do you see? What do you see that happens here? What do you see 
in, in the wrestling of you know, Paul and, and Silas and them trying to discover, hey, these were our marching orders, but God's got different marching orders for us. But here's some of the things that you see. First, you see this, that God honors obedience. He honors obedience with clear marching orders. That's what he did. Paul, one of the things I want you to notice is this. Even though he didn't have specific orders, he was marching on general orders. These are the general orders of God. These are the character, the nature of God that we know for certain. What do we know about God that would have supported this mission? Well, we know this, that God wants, he desires that no one would perish, but all would come to everlasting life with him. That's a general marching order. We also know that what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. These words are echoing in the, in the heart and in the mind of Paul, and he's going, we can't just sit here, guys. We've already done one missionary journey. Let's go out there again. Let's go out and visit the churches that we've preached to before and that we planted, and then let's figure out how we can go beyond that and go present the gospel to people that have never heard about Jesus. And that was his whole goal. His whole mission is that, but he's walking the entire time like this. God, I know that's your heart, but where do you want me to go? And it's like he runs into this wall. What would that wall look like? What would that wall feel like? It would feel like this. Hey, there's no peace to keep moving forward. There's no peace. I just don't feel peace about, you know, waking up tomorrow and keep heading towards Asia. Well, what, what do you sense? I just sense like the Lord's going, don't go there. Well, where is he telling us to go? I don't know. So let's head north. That's how it went. That's exactly how it went. It was out of obedience <clears throat> that God honored their obedience and he gave them a clear marching order because when they get to Troas, all of a sudden, their eyes are opened up, and they go, oh, okay. It's really felt like we've been wasting our time here. But God, you wanted to do something that we would never have done if we didn't take this journey of submitting our plans to you and listening for your marching orders. And something profound took place. So if you want to hear God's voice more clearly, here's my suggestion to you. Simply start obeying the general orders of God with a heart that's open to hear the specific marching orders of God. But if you're sitting around going, well, if God will speak to me, I'll do it. I'm going to tell you right now, you might sit there for the rest of your life. It's when we jump into the mission and we start following God's heart that it's in that obedience that God all of a sudden gives the clear vision, the Macedonian call for your life. That's powerful. Here's the second thing that we learn that we can apply to our own lives to find God's marching orders versus ours. And that's this, that God's marching orders, they have a greater impact than yours. If it's just you dreaming your marching orders, I guarantee you that it's always going to be less impactful than God's marching orders. Here's some of the unique evidence that came from that second missionary journey that we would have missed otherwise. That because of that journey, you start to see certain books of the New Testament that are able to be written because Paul now has gone and he's planted and he's ministered in these communities. The communities of Philippi, where you get the book of Philippians. The, book, the, the community of Thessalonica, where you get first and second Thessalonians. The community of Corinth, where you get first and second Corinthians. And even now, as you see, the journey brought him back to Ephesus and he went there again and again. You would see the fact that even Ephesus and the book of Ephesians was a book that was possibly written right out of this whole journey that otherwise would not have been written. 
And God knew that you and me were going to be reading those books and understanding who he is and the character of God and the nature of God and growing in our own spiritual depth with God because of those. Paul had no idea, but because of his obedience to God, because of his willingness to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, the ripple effect of him saying yes to God's marching orders is still impacting you and me today. So guys, there's a big difference between you just doing your thing and us finding God's thing. Because when we find God's thing, the spiritual dynamics and the impact, fathers, what can it have on your, on your homes? Mothers, what could it have for raising your children? Leaders, what could it have for people that are underneath you? Business owners, what can it do to change the trajectory of your business? You see what I'm saying? Like, man's orders are limited in their impact. God's orders, when we follow them, Many times the greatness of them doesn't even come until after our life on this earth. So church, if you want to make your greatest contribution to God's kingdom on this earth, then today, right now, I want to encourage you to seek, seek to follow the marching orders of God. No matter how crazy they sound, or I might also add, no matter how simple they sound, Sometimes God comes to us and he gives us simple marching orders. And we're like, ah, God, I got, I got so much more than that, though. Like, I'm going to wait, because that was probably just me. Like, you, you want me to go serve in the nursery? Like, God, I really think I could probably get up there and preach like Jeff can. But you want me to serve in the nursery? Like, th- that's, that's so below me. Guys, sometimes God comes with the pro- most profound marching orders that sound so simple. And he's looking if you will just humble yourself and not operate with pride. And then other times his marching orders are so crazy that you're like, what? I'm not qualified. That's for Jeff. <laughs> like as if I'm the one that gets to do all the crazy marching orders. Don't let either of the bookends of God's marching orders as he whispers to your spirit derail you. When God speaks, because you're walking like this, when God speaks and you run into the wall, turn the other direction and just keep walking. And almost kind of like a pinball in a pinball machine, Right? You're kind of like marching your life like a pinball in a pinball machine. And you're going, oh, okay, not that way. Oh, okay, it's that way. And sometimes the bumper hits you hard. And other times it's kind of like, whoa, that feels right. Like, let's go that way. But that's kind of our lives, guys. So today, what marching orders do you need? You need clear marching orders for a lot of different areas of your life. Your vocation, your family, your marriage, your time management, your finances, You need marching orders for your faith today. I don't know which area of your life is being lived by your orders versus God's, but I know this, that God wants to speak to you specifically about those types of areas. Okay, so bring bring your life to him today and surrender it to him and let him him direct you and guide you. Take a look at this screen I'm going to put up because in this series we're taking two minutes after the sermon for a time of solitude. I want you to kind of look at your life through this lens. Look at your life and ask, whose orders am I marching to? God, whose orders am I marching to? Look, look at it through the lens of your finances or your marriage, right, or relationships or your vocation or whatever. Just look at it through that lens. And if you find that you're marching to your orders, repent. It's that simple. It's that simple. And then thirdly, humble yourself and just start asking God. Ask God for his orders, in whatever area of your, of your life that you feel like, man, I just don't, I don't feel like there's clarity. I don't feel like I'm, like I'm really got traction. I'm moving anywhere. But I guarantee you, take these next two minutes and start this journey in solitude and let the Holy Spirit start to reveal to you his purpose and his plan. 
Let his marching orders start sinking into your heart. And just like Paul, if you're headed in one direction, start heading the other. Let the Holy Spirit whisper to you about the marching orders of your life over these next two minutes.